This last Sunday afternoon, an estimated 112 million people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. I was one of the 112 million people. Maybe you were one of the 112 million people as well who tuned in. And I found it interesting that just before the singing of the national anthem, before the game started, they had a singer by the name of Janae Iko. I'm pretty sure I said that name right. Probably didn't, but I hope it did. But she got up and she sang America the Beautiful. And she did a great job on the song. And when she began singing the song, I kind of wondered if she would sing the whole song. Of course, she didn't sing the whole song. She really only sang one stanza. I think there's like three or four stanzas to the song, but she only sang one of them. She sang through the stanza twice. And I wondered when she was singing it, if she was going to sing the part that mentions God, because in the song, America the Beautiful, we have that line that said, God shed his grace on thee. And that is a prayer in that song. And it's not the only prayer in that song. The whole, the whole song, which was written in the 19th century, is actually a prayer. And part of the song says, America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. But in another section of the song, it says, America, America, God mend thy every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty and law. And what's interesting is that America the Beautiful was actually a candidate to become the national anthem back at the beginning of the 20th century. It was the, the final runner up, if you will, to the Star Spangled Banner. I'm sure you would probably agree that those prayers in that song are good prayers, prayers that we would probably do well to pray today in 2022. We, as a nation, we need God's grace. We certainly would be blessed if he would mend our every flaw. Our nation, like any nation, is filled with flawed people, and so we are a flawed nation. We're a great nation. I think the United States of America is a wonderful nation. I'm very glad to have this as my home, but we have our flaws. And so we would be absolutely blessed if God would mend our every flaw, if he would unite us together in brotherhood and bless us with self-control. We certainly need self-control and that we would see true liberty for all people. That would be a wonderful thing to be able to see. So those are all good things that we need, every single one of us. And I want to encourage you today that all of those blessings, they are available to each of us, each of us individually, but also to us as a nation. In fact, if we all united together in prayer today for our nation, and we prayed for the United States of America, and we said, God, would you shed your grace on us? We said, Lord, would you unite us together as one in brotherhood, that you'd mend our many flaws, that you'd give us self-control and you'd give us liberty. If we, if we sang, God bless us. Of course, we have another patriotic spiritual song in our nation. God bless America. If we were to pray those prayers, God bless America, give us your grace, give us unity, give us self-control. I wonder if God would not say back to us as we're praying, God, give us these things as a nation here in the United States. I wonder if God would not say back to us, why don't you go and read Deuteronomy chapter 11 starting at verse 26, where we read these words from Moses. 
God is speaking through Moses and Moses is speaking to the people, preparing them just as they're getting ready to come into the promised land. And Moses says to the children of Israel, these words, Deuteronomy 11, 26, behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but you turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Each of us individually and all of us as a people, all of us as a nation, if there is such a thing as the blessing of God, I would say that each of us individually and as a nation, we want that. We would want God's blessing if there is such a thing as the blessing of God. If you say right now, well, I'm not really sure I want God's blessing. I don't think that that's true. I think that we all would want God's blessing if it is something that is available to us. And I believe that if we said, God, I want you to bless me. I believe God that would, he would say back to us, here is the way that you can receive my blessing. You see, I believe that God desires to bless us. I believe that God wants you and he wants me to experience his blessing in our lives. I do not believe that God takes pleasure in judgment. In fact, the scriptures say that. He does not take pleasure in the death even of the wicked. So God does not take pleasure in judgment. He desires us to experience his blessing. And these things being true, God says, here is how you find my blessing. This is the way that you can have God's blessing in your life life. God delights to bless his people and therefore he tells us how to inherit that blessing. And then it all comes down to our choosing. He says, this is the way that you can have my blessing in your life. If you do these things, then you're going to experience my blessing. And so he says, this is how you're going to receive it. And now it's up to you. You get to choose whether or not you're going to take part in that, whether or not you're going to lay hold of that blessing. Look at what Moses says at the end of this book, Deuteronomy. Someday we're going to get to this chapter. Right now we're in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, it's taken us a while to get to this point. And in Deuteronomy 30, which is a long ways away, we're only a third of the way there. Someday we'll get there. But notice what Moses says as he's wrapping up his message in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us to bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Moses says, verse 15, Deuteronomy verse 30, or chapter 30, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. This isn't a mysterious thing. God's blessing isn't so far off or too high that you can't get it. It is not beyond our grasp that we can't attain it. But blessing is 
only ultimately found in one place. It is only ultimately found in and from God. But in our fallen and sinful state, we don't like to hear that. And why don't we like to hear that in our fallen and sinful state? Because it requires something of us. We considered this briefly last week, the requirement that God has given to us. He says, listen, I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You get to choose today whether you receive life and blessing or death and cursing. It's totally up to you. And God desires that you would experience that blessing. He wants you to lay hold of his blessing. It's not too far off that you can't grasp it or can't get it. But it requires something of us. So we, we read this last week. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Here is God's requirement for you and for me so that we can lay hold of this blessing that God desires that we would have. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. You may not like this truth that we find in this passage, but whether you like it or not, this is the truth. The blessings of God are oftentimes conditional. The blessings of God require something of you and they require something of me. In reality, this is one of the most basic themes of the whole book of Deuteronomy, which we've been slowly going through for a couple of years here at Cross Connection Church with a lot of detours along the way. But as we go through this book, Deuteronomy, which is the last major message of Moses, just before the children of Israel go into the promised land and just before Moses is no longer their leader, just before he dies, he gives them one final message, one final sermon. And one of the core themes of this book is this concept that the blessings of God are conditional. The children of Israel were about to inherit the blessing of the promised land and all that would go along with that blessing. But the promised inheritance that God was giving to them, it came with conditions. And Moses here in this message, this sermon, this whole book, he's outlining what those conditions are. Now, the largest section of this book from Deuteronomy chapter 5 until Deuteronomy chapter 26, which we're probably going to be in this section for probably 10 years at this rate. But this largest section of Deuteronomy, it contains all the stipulations of God's covenant with Israel. So God is saying, here's what I'm requiring of you. And here is what I'm going to do if you fulfill those requirements. And here's what I'm going to do if you don't fulfill those requirements. So we have all the stipulations of God's covenant relationship with his people, the children of Israel. And Moses is driving these things home just before the children of Israel go into the promised land. And this most basic fundamental theme of this book is that God's blessings, they have conditions along with them. And if you fulfill those conditions, then you will receive those blessings. But if you do not fulfill those conditions, then you will not receive those blessings. So Israel is engaged in this covenant relationship with God. And he is going to be their God and they are going to be his people. And there are blessings inherent in that relationship, but only so far as that relationship is continued and the stipulations of that covenant relationship are met. God delights to bless his people, but his people are only his people as their God is God, as they make sure that they follow God and walk in his ways. But what does that, what's that look like practically? What does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to have God as your God? How does that play out? 
It means exactly what we just read there in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. There in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, Moses says, here's the requirements of what it looks like to be the people of God and to have God as your God. First thing he says is that you need to fear the Lord your God. Now, when we read in that passage, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and now, O Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God? When we read that one of the requirements is to fear the Lord God, it's not that God wants you to be afraid of him, but that you are to have the right and proper reverence and respect and honor for him. You honor and esteem and worship him and him alone. That's what the, the first commandments have to say. The first few commandments in the 10 commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any graven image. So to fear the Lord means that you honor, esteem, worship, respect, and reverence only him. And this honor and this fear, the scriptures tell us in places like the book of Proverbs, the great wisdom of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when you honor and worship and esteem and respect and reverence and fear God and God alone, that is where you begin to experience wisdom coming into your life. And that honor and that fear of the Lord, not only does it lead to wisdom, but as you read through the scriptures, you find that the fear of the Lord is connected to not just wisdom, but departing from evil. The person who fears the Lord will depart from evil. So he says that if you want to receive God's blessing, if you want to have God's blessing be abundant in your life, which is what God desires for you and he desires for me, what does the Lord require of you to receive his blessing? To fear the Lord. Second, he says to walk in all his ways, to walk in all his ways. What does that mean to walk in the way of the Lord? Well, if you did a study through the whole of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and you could even do this on your own. Just go to like blueletterbible.com, blb.org, and do a word study on the way of the Lord. You're going to find that the way of the Lord is truth. So if you're going to walk in the way of the Lord, you need to walk in truth. And I believe this is something that God not only, not only desires for you and desires for me, but he enables us to do so by his Holy Spirit. God is working in me to will and to do his good pleasure. Now, I still need to work it out with my, own, with my own energy. I need to put my own efforts into this. But to walk in the way of the Lord, this is the requirement of God. If you're going to experience his blessing, you need to walk in truth because the way of the Lord is the way of truth. So you walk in truth. You don't tell lies. You walk in what is right and true. The way of the Lord is not only the way of truth, but the way of the Lord is the way of righteousness. Walk in a way that is right, morally right. A way that is ethically right. A way that is walked out in honesty. The way of the Lord is not only true, it's not only right, the way of the Lord is also pure. So if I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord, I need to walk in truth. I need to seek by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to walk in righteousness. I need to walk in purity. The way of the Lord is, is kind. I need to walk in kindness. The way of the Lord is love. I need to walk in love. And as I'm walking in righteousness and I'm walking in purity and I'm walking in truth and I'm walking in kindness, I'm walking in the way of the Lord. And I'm hopefully walking in love. And that's exactly what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now Israel, what does the Lord require of you? So that you would experience God's blessing in your life. He requires that you fear the Lord your God, that you walk in all his ways and that you love him, that you love the Lord. 
And what exactly does it look like to love him? Well, he says, he goes on in that passage in verse 12, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and to keep his commandments, the commandments of the Lord, with, and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. So, God's requirement for me to be a recipient of his blessing in my life, which is exactly what I desire. I think it's probably what you would desire as well, to have God's blessing be abundant in your life. I need to walk in the fear of the Lord, walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve him, to keep his commandments. Jesus said in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, if you love me, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he goes on in verse 21, and he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If you want to experience God's blessing in your life, and I'm assuming that that's something that you would like to have in your life, then you need to walk in the fear of the Lord, walk in the way of the Lord, walk in love with the Lord, serving him, keeping his commandments. And as you are keeping his commandments, walking in these things, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 21, I will manifest, my, manifest myself to you. So as we consider the teaching of this book, fifth book of the Bible, the book of Deuteronomy, we learn that God's blessings flow to those that fear the Lord, walk in his ways, love him, serve him, and keep his commandments. Let me say that again because I think it's really important. God's blessings flow to those that fear the Lord, walk in his ways, love him, serve him, and keep his commandments. These things are a requirement if you want to enjoy the blessing of the Lord, but it is your choice. Just as we read a few minutes ago from Deuteronomy chapter 30, he says there, choose today. Blessing, curse, life, death. It's your choice. Now, before we go any further, I want to make very clear, I want to reiterate today that these requirements, we, we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord require you? To fear the Lord, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve him, to keep his commandments. These requirements that God gives to us, they are not a precondition for redemption. Rather, they are a response to redemption. This is really, really important because anytime that we Christians, and a lot of times people say that we are New Testament believers. So the Bible is split into two sections. The first two thirds of the Bible, uh, Genesis through Malachi. The first two thirds is called the Old Testament. The last third of the Bible is called the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation. So Christians, a lot of times they'll say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. But we, we can't neglect the Old Testament, the first two-thirds of the Bible, Genesis to Malachi. But anytime we go back to the Old Testament, back to the Old Covenant, one of the dangers for Christians is that we can slide into thinking that we have to keep God's commandments to receive his redemption, that my salvation is based upon my good works. And the Bible is very, very clear that that is not true. That's not true in the New Testament. That's not true in the Old Testament. The New Testament makes very clear that we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by God's grace. So the New Covenant makes very clear, my redemption, my salvation, is not dependent upon my good works or my keeping of the law. I could not keep the law. The law of God shows me how much I need God's grace and his mercy. So the New Testament makes it very, very clear. We are saved by grace because of God's love and his mercy. But that is also true that we are saved by God's grace because of his love and his mercy in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. You see, Israel, 
the children of Israel who were being spoken to in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11. They were redeemed and rescued by God from Egypt according to God's grace and his love and his mercy. They were rescued out of their bondage and their slavery to Pharaoh there in Egypt because of God's love and his grace and his mercy. If you don't think that that's true, just go back and read through Deuteronomy chapter 7. And there in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God is going to say, why did I choose you? Why did I rescue? Because I love you. So that is true in the New Testament. That is true in the Old Testament. Israel was redeemed and rescued from Egypt because of God's love and his grace and his mercy. And now, having been the recipients of God's love and his grace and his mercy, having been redeemed after they've been redeemed from Egypt, now God says through Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Notice that word at the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, the word therefore. First word that opens that section, therefore. Because you've been redeemed, because you have been saved, therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments. Why should you love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always? Because, look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 7. Your eyes have seen every great act of the Lord which he did. The great acts of the Lord in redeeming them from Egypt. God went down, he sent Moses down to Egypt. You can read about it in Exodus chapter, uh, you know, the first 15 chapters of Exodus. God sends Moses down to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. God did these wonderful acts to get them out of Egypt. Ten plagues to get them out of Egypt. Then brings them across the Red Sea on dry ground. Then provides for them miraculously in the wilderness with food that just miraculously came to them every single day. And water that came to them out of rocks. And then he protects them against their enemies in the wilderness. So then, after you have received all of God's redeeming power, after you have seen God's great acts and how he saved them, saved them from Egypt, saved them in the wilderness, provided for them, protected them, same thing God has done for you. If you are a Christian today, he has saved you out of Egypt, out of the kind of a metaphorical Egypt. He saved you from your sin and your slavery and your bondage to sin. He's probably provided for you, provided for you in your life in many miraculous ways. He certainly has provided for me in miraculous ways. He's protected you. After God has done all of these wonderful things, Moses says, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 8, Therefore, you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses' teaching in this passage is very clear. Possession of the promises and blessings of God are the result of walking in his ways. Now, we're not redeemed because we keep his commandments. We're not saved because we are so perfect in following God's law. But having been redeemed, the children of Israel at this point, they're already been redeemed out of Egypt. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And God wants them to take possession of this promised land of blessing. And possession of the promises and blessing of God is the result of walking in his way. It is entirely possible to be redeemed and to be saved out of the bondage of sin or out of the bondage of Egypt, just like the children of Israel were when they were in the wilderness. 
by God's loving grace and mercy. It's entirely possible to be redeemed out of sin or out of Egypt by God's loving grace and mercy and to come short of tasting of God's blessing and the promises of the, the promised land and to just continue wandering in the wilderness. This is exactly what the New Testament book of Hebrews says, that this group of people, they wandered in the wilderness, they died in the wilderness, they didn't enter into God's rest and into his promised land because they did not walk in his ways. They did not follow the Lord and trust in him. And so it's possible for us to be saved from sin, saved from the bondage of sin, and spend our entire lives as Christians wandering in the wilderness. And that's, that's exactly what Israel did for that entire generation before this generation that's about to go into the promised land. And sadly, I think that there are a lot of believers that do just that. They are those who trust in God. We would say that they've been redeemed from sin. They've been saved from sin. And yet they seem to be wandering in the wilderness. They're parched. They're dry. They're not living in the promises of God in any significant way. Look at what Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22 says, For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God and walk in all his ways and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all of these nations from before you and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the Western Sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he said to you. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandment of the Lord. If you're someone who takes notes in your Bible, you might want to circle that word if in verse 27. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if, verse 28, circle that one too, you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which you have not known. Again, as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to see that this is the repeated message and theme of this book, of this, this long message here in Deuteronomy. God's blessing is for God's people. And God's people are those who honor him, who love him, who serve him, who keep his commandments, and who walk in his ways. And since that is true, Moses gives us two exhortations in this passage, or gives to the children of Israel two exhortations as they are gathered to hear this message. He says to them here in this passage, as they are preparing to go into the promised land, he says, I want you to choose life and blessing and to reject death and cursing. But here's my two exhortations to you as you prepare to go into the promised land. He says, take heed to yourselves, that's exhortation number one, and teach these things to yourselves and to your children. These two exhortations are really directed at or aimed at two great pitfalls for the followers of God. The two great pitfalls for the followers of God are unfaithfulness, or what we would say infidelity, and forgetfulness. Unfaithfulness and forgetfulness. And these are certainly not the only pitfalls that we followers of God can find ourselves, you know, kind of falling into these traps, but they are two major snares, two major pitfalls. So the first one, he says, you need to make sure that you take heed to yourselves and that you do not fall into the pitfall of unfaithfulness. Look at 
Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. One of the greatest snares that the children of Israel faced once they finally entered into the promised land. And one of the snares that we actually stumble at as well is the snare of idolatry. Now in the postmodern Western world of the United States here in 2022, we oftentimes think that idolatry is something that uncivilized ancient people struggle with. And we don't have idols that we fall to today. And that is entirely wrong. Moses says, take heed to yourselves that you are not turned aside and deceived in your heart or in your mind to worship and serve the gods of this world. What are some of the gods of this world? The gods of this world are things like pleasure and power, prosperity, uh, possessions, politics. Politics is a big one in the United States of America in 2022. Christians are continually being deceived and seduced by the gods of this world, these idols to go after possessions, to go after pleasure and power. Idolatry will always rob you of God's blessing and cause you to be removed from the place of his promises. And this is what you see with the children of Israel. This is what we're gonna see as we continue, not just through the book of Deuteronomy, but on into other books of the Old Testament as well. That what was the major snare that the children of Israel were constantly entrapped by is this whole thing of idolatry. And though they had names and images and temples for these gods that they would worship. We may not have names and images and temples for these gods that we are tempted to worship, but at the core, these things are still the same things that we are seduced into giving our devotion to, giving our time, giving our talents, giving our energy, giving our devotion to. Things like pleasure, politics, possessions, power, all these different things. So he says, take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you be turned aside to serve or follow after and worship other gods. We need to take heed to ourselves. That's exhortation number one. Exhortation number two is that we avoid the major pitfall of forgetfulness. So the first pitfall is the pitfall of infidelity or idolatry. The second one is forgetfulness. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them like the days of the heavens above the earth. Hear this and understand this. This is such an important truth for you and I, as we are seeking to follow after God, God's people forfeit his promised blessing by their forgetfulness and their unfaithfulness. And this is why Moses says to the children of Israel in this passage, therefore hide God's word in your heart so that you not become forgetful about who your God is and you be deceived and turned aside towards idols. You forget him and you're unfaithful to him. Hide God's word in your heart. Bind God's word on your mind. You know, as between the frontlets of your eyes, teach God's word to your children. Write them down on the doorposts of your house. I certainly could be wrong, but it, it sure seems as though we, as a nation here in the United States of America in 2022, it sure seems like we are not experiencing God's blessing, at least not in the way that we could, and maybe not in the way that we once did. We sing these 
prayers, asking for God's grace and his unity, like was sung at the beginning of the Super Bowl this last week in that song, America the Beautiful. We're asking for God's grace to be shed on us. We're asking for God to unite us together with brotherhood. We're asking for God to give us liberty and to mend all of our flaws. We desire God's promises and his blessing. But we are living in many ways as a people who are forgetful. We're living in unfaithfulness to Lord. We've been turned aside from the right path of God's ways to a path that is going to only end in disaster, chaos, confusion, like I talked about in my last message. Now, this is not a unique experience, what we are seeing in our own country here in 2022. It's not a unique experience. Sadly, it was the somewhat normative experience in the Old Testament for the children of Israel. They constantly would go in this cycle. They would be walking with the Lord and things would be going right and good. And then they would do what was right in their own eyes. They would drift away from God's word. They would drift into idolatry and they'd find themselves in a place of cursing and in a place of exile, all kinds of horrible things. And this is exactly where the Old Testament prophets, the Jewish prophets would come in. They would come in to call the people of Israel back to the Lord and away from their idolatry. Like Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, he stood before the people of his day, 2,500 years ago, who were idolatrous and they were forgetful. They rejected God's word and they slipped into idolatry. And in Jeremiah 6, verse 16, the prophet says, Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find rest for your souls. But sadly, the people said in Jeremiah's day, in Jeremiah 6, verse 16, we will not walk in it. As I said earlier, we have these great patriotic spiritual songs that we sing here in the United States. America the beautiful, God bless America. But we certainly cannot expect God's blessing. We cannot expect for God to shed his grace on us so long as we walk after idols and we refuse to walk in his way. Now, I want to encourage you, God is patient. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament, God waits with, with open arms for us to turn back to him. He waits and he's ready to be gracious and forgiving, ready to pour out his blessing. But he will not and cannot bless those who are walking towards idols, and who have forgotten him. God waits with open arms to bless those who return to him. But like I said, he, he can't bless those who will not return to him. And so if we want God's blessing in our lives individually and in our nation as well, it's going to require that we turn back to the Lord and that we walk in his ways. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 says, Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way in which I command you today and go after other gods, which you have not known. It really comes down to this. It's a choice for you. It's a choice for me. And that was the choice for the children of Israel. We're going to see much later when we get into the book of Joshua eventually. Joshua will stand before the people after they are in the promised land, after they have taken possession of the promised land and driven many of their enemies out before them. And he says, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have that verse by our doorstep at our house. Choose this day who you will serve. 
as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as we all want God's blessing in our lives individually and for our nation, it's going to require that we choose to walk in the way of the Lord, to walk in his love, to walk in the way of truth, the way of righteousness, the way of kindness, the way of goodness, all of those things. God will enable us to do that by his spirit because he works in us to willing to do his good pleasure. But he cannot bless those who refuse to walk in his ways. He will not bless those who refuse to walk in his ways. And if we see the confusion and we see the chaos and we see the insanity of our culture, it's an indication that we have either forgotten the ways of the Lord or we've turned to other gods to be devoted to them and to worship them. And so would to God that we would turn back to the Lord and repent. Father God, I pray that you would move in our hearts and that you would draw us to that place of laying down our idols and putting you back in the proper place of our lives and the throne of our lives, that you would have authority over us and that you would rule over us. Lord, I thank you that we are saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves, it is a gift that you give to us because of your great love and your mercy towards us. But after we have been redeemed by you, for us to experience your rest and your blessing and all the goodness of your, your word, then it requires that we walk in ways that are honoring to you. So God, would you work in us to willing to do your good pleasure today and help us to work out this salvation with fear and trembling. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>